and welcome to episode number 163 of the Lions Podcast presented by BetMGM. My name is Matt Brown, joined this week by Stephen Andrus, where we are going to go down NFL draft props. We're going to talk Zurich Classic, interesting tournament for the PGA this week, a different format, so we'll let you know how that's going to play out and if we have any thoughts on how you might can make some money on that thing. And then we'll end with Stephen's bread and butter here. One of the things he really enjoys, Kentucky Derby, so get you kind of previewed for that as well. Steven, uh, feeling pretty good here as we're, you know, about a week away from the NFL draft. I mean, uh, it is one of those things where I look at this and, you know, I think there's probably a lot of people out there that are that think that they know exactly what's going to happen. I think that if you've ever watched an NFL draft, you know that you don't know exactly what's going to happen. But as we try to bet this thing, look, we're we're trying to read the tea leaves. We're trying to put together the stories that make the most sense. We're trying to look at team needs. And, um, you know, from there, that's how we're kind of filling out our betting card. I remember this time a year ago when this was literally like the only game in town during the pandemic. All the games were shut down and it was right about now when we're recording this a little more the week out when you really started to get some good snippets about, you know, things that we might have thought initially, but were totally wrong. And the betting odds were out there to be taken care of. Andrew Thomas, first offensive lineman taken last year. I hit it plus 700 just because we started to get some insider reports from the beat writers. So very interesting time right now to bet the NFL draft right in this window. So I think the one thing that everybody knows and the one thing that we don't have to worry about, Trevor Lawrence is going to be the number one pick in the draft. He is going to be the first quarterback taken. You don't need to worry about that in the least bit. He's already donating money to the community. I mean, mean, Stephen, what what, I mean, the guy's already talking about donating $20,000 to the Jacksonville community. The guy is going number one overall. So we don't need to worry about that. Yeah, uh, let's see here. Over at BetMGM, we're looking at minus uh, 10,000 on Trevor Lawrence to be the number one pick. So, yeah, there you go. If you still want to make some money, you can lay 10,000 down to make your 100 bucks. So as we sit at the second pick here, I mean, Zach Wilson, minus 2,500. But there have been rumors. There was actually an article that came out where people are starting. And now we see this this time of year as well. But they were trying to float that, you know, There has never been the declaration that Zach Wilson was definitely going to be Hmm. the number two overall pick. And they were trying to just plant a little seed of doubt and just saying, like, you know, we're all making this assumption, but we have never heard 100 percent that he is going to go second overall. That being said, it would, you know. I'm I'm just assuming that he is going second overall and I am just proceeding as if that is the case. And let's just say if if he doesn't go second overall at minus 2,500 odds, that would be the biggest upset I've seen since Tony Finau at the Genesis Invitational in the playoff where Max Homa had his ball up against the tree and somehow Tony Finau still lost. So, I mean, this would be an unbelievable upset if Zach Wilson is not the second pick. And I don't really have much interest in in, in trying to – drop a a couple bucks here on somebody else. I'm not trying to speculate here. The Jets, look, 
they the Jets are smart in this in this spot. I mean, they're they're not going to they're not going to go crazy here and take Trey Lance and be like, no, no, we we loved him all along. Like, like no, that's not what what they're going to do here. So, um, I, I feel pretty comfortable there as well. I think the draft starts here at pick number three, and this is the one that's been very very interesting over the last two weeks. I mean, we took last week off from the pod, so uh, these odds have just been all over the place, and this is where the draft is really going to start. So what? in the world are the 49ers going to do? We know that they trade up to get to that number three pick. And with that, there was this tweet by Adam Schefter that they were, that they, you know, he never said they were going to take Matt Jones. He never uh, in, in, uh, even came close to making that even assumption there. But what he did was just said like, you know, hey, look, they like Mac Jones in, inside that inside that room over there. You know, like they've they've got a, a pretty good feeling about what he can do in the NFL. And, and that's basically all he said. And with that, every, you know, every single article started coming out. Mac Jones going number three. Mac Jones going number three. They're going to take Mac Jones at number three. Can you believe that? The odds start to move because people start to bet it. And now here we sit. Mac Jones to go third overall minus 160. Justin Fields plus 135, Trey Lance plus 500 at the number three overall pick. One thing you and I can agree on, we know for sure the 49ers did not trade up to number three to take anything other than a quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. You don't more you don't you don't mortgage some of your future to draft a tight end. Like I understand how special Kyle Pitts is. That's not going to happen. So um do you buy this whole Mac Jones thing or do you think it's been Justin Fields all along and and you know they just basically let people run with this narrative that it was going to be Mac Jones? I for one, just my personal opinion, don't believe that they gave up two future two future first round picks to take Mac Jones. I just I don't I just can't buy it. And the one thing I do know as a 49ers fan and having followed this team closely for a very long time, during the Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch era, there are no leaks. There are absolutely no leaks. They convinced the Chicago Bears to trade up one spot and give up extra picks for Mitch Trubisky when they were never going to take a quarterback in that spot, and they never had anybody else coming up to take Mitch Trubisky. So uh, they are a vault when it comes to information. So all of this to me is just pure speculation. And frankly, I've never seen a roller coaster of odds moves uh, in in recent history when it comes to this pick here just going back I remember the first podcast I was on with you guys the end of March the 49ers made the trade just before we did the pod and the first odds that came out were that Trey Lance was the guy he was minus 125 to be the pick for the Niners April 11th Mac Jones has his pro day now he's a minus 200 favorite to be the third pick April 15th Justin Fields has his pro day now he's a minus 120 favorite to be the pick at number three and then April 19th Trey Lance's second pro day and Justin Fields is still the favorite at even money but Mac Jones and Trey Lance are down to plus 175 and now as we record this as you mentioned Mac Jones back up to a minus 160 favorite so basically I say all this to say I don't think anybody really has a clue what the 49ers are doing I think only they know we can speculate all day who it's going to be and you are on the Justin Fields side right now i think you have a, a ticket at, at bigger than plus 200 right now if i remember yeah, correctly. i've got a plus two yeah i've got a plus 275 on justin fields and i feel pretty confident in it man i mean listen you've got a six foot three 230 pound guy that runs a four four at the quarterback position that is pretty accurate with everything i mean listen the 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 knock on him is you know they talk about his progressions and and you know those are things that those are things that as you progress as a 
as a player and you can be taught a little bit better to move through your progressions and not hold the ball as long and make sure that you're um, and make sure that you're going through the reads correctly and things like that. But I mean, the, the stuff that you can't teach, Stephen, is the reason why I just don't understand how people are are getting away from this, where it is a big fast, super, super high upside guy where, yes, the floor might be higher for Mac Jones, and I do understand that, but the ceiling is far lower, and everybody knows that. If Justin Fields is, is if the if the floor is lower, yeah, it's probably not that much lower anyway, and then the ceiling, as anyone who's watched either one of these guys play, you know that Fields' ceiling is exponentially higher. You've traded up to get to the number three pick. I don't think you traded up to get to the three pick to get a guy who's like gonna be an I starter in the NFL and gonna and get you where you need. I think you tried to get your quarterback that can take you to multiple Super Bowls. You tried to get your next Patrick Mahomes. You tried to get that guy that can you know your your Justin Herbert. I think you tried to do that, and so it would. It would shock me if they took Jones. I mean, I'm not saying that they won't, but I'm I'm betting on the upside. I'm betting on the talent. I'm betting on the pedigree as well. Let's not forget that if Justin Fields had not chose to play this season, if he would have sat out like a Jamar Chase did, he would we would be arguing right now whether Trevor Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields should be the number one pick. Remember this time last year when people were doing their look aheads. Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, it was a toss-up as to who was going to be the number one pick. It was like they were on equal footing, but he played. It was a weird season. I mean, people are looking at this COVID season and saying like, oh, see, look, he wasn't as good as we thought. And it's like, man, that had to have been a weird year. There wasn't as much offseason training. There wasn't as much uh, time with the guys in the locker room and things and stuff like that. I'm I'm not holding too much of this uh, against Justin Fields. Yeah, I, I actually took a small piece of Trey Lance at four to one. I wish I would have weighed. Now it's five to one at BetMGM just because we have no idea who it is, quite frankly. But I I agree with everything you said about Justin Fields, all things being equal. Uh, I would have loved to get gotten the number that you got on him. Uh, but we are totally agreed that despite the fact that Mac Jones is now the favorite to get at minus 160, I just can't believe that the Niners – gave up two future first round picks to take a guy who has all the football concerns that we have, but also has two DUIs on his record. I just, I can't see them giving up future capital of that value for a guy with off the field issues as well. So again, plus money still on Justin Fields at BetMGM plus 135 right now. I would take it if I was looking to get in right now. Another ticket I have in my account is not for every bankroll, and this number's gone crazy, is first wide receiver drafted. I have Jamar Chase, but I have it at minus 500. It's all the way to minus 800 at BetMGM. Now, listen, depending on the size of your bankroll, Stephen, listen, money is money, and free money is free money, and I'm not going to say that it's definitely 100% free money, but every single thing we've seen, every single mock draft that has come out, every single expert has Jamar Chase as the number one wide receiver in this class, has Jamar Chase going at the top of this draft class as far as wide receivers go. I've not seen a single one come out that has Devontae Smith or Jalen Wall or any of these other guys. So again, I understand you got to lay 800 to win 100, but if you, depending on the size of your bankroll, it's as close to a lock outside of the Trevor Lawrence being the number one overall pick thing going on here. 
Yeah, this is not the same situation as last year to me where you had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, and C.D. Lamb kind of in that top tier and different teams had different opinions. It's it's a pretty heavy consensus from all the insider reports that Chase is by far the number one prospect and then it's the next tier down. So um, like you said, you know, <laughs> as we advise on previous podcasts, don't don't take out uh, money on a credit card to make a bet like this. But, you know, bankroll dependent. But it seems pretty darn clear that Jamar Chase is going to be the first wide receiver. I agree with you on that. Uh, here's the interesting one. And this is uh, another draft. interested to get your thoughts here. But first running back drafted Najee Harris minus 140 Travis Etienne plus 165. Now, there have been some rumblings here lately. And now, again, this time of year, they're. There are people who do these, you know, things to try to throw people off and try to be the, you know, the cute guy that gets something right, maybe out of left field, but that have started ranking Javante Williams as the number one um, running back in this draft. He is sitting at plus 600. There's no, uh, there's no chance at all. It's going to be anybody other than one of those three guys. Um, Minus 140 on Harris, plus 165 on ATN, plus 600 on Williams. Do you have any idea here? And this kind of can dovetail into another another one of the over-unders that's available is, you know, half a running back in the first round. Will it basically asking you, will there be a running back taken in the first round? One, do you feel like you have a bead on who might go? And two, do you think that that person goes in the first round? I think so much of this is dependent on what the Steelers do in the 20s in the first round, because there have been increasing reports that they are seriously considering taking a running back in the first round as as backwards as that is in today's NFL with, you know, the salary cap and and the fact that they need offensive line help. Um, I think it was uh, Andrew Filipponi, who my old uh, co-worker at Entercom, he works at the Pittsburgh station out there, and he was reporting that it could be Najee Harris or one of two other offensive linemen for the Steelers at, uh, I think it's pick 24, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so... I think it seems like Najee Harris would be a good fit for them, a a do-it-all running back who has size, who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I certainly see the similarities with Javonta Williams uh, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire a year ago with his pass-catching ability. Um, But for me, I have Harris and Etienne in that top tier, and I, I still have Williams a tier below. Um, so the only chance I could see Williams hitting this bet is if the Steelers pass on a running back in the first round and then maybe a team below them uh, has these three guys ranked on their board a little bit differently. So uh, it, it, to me, it all depends on what you think the Steelers will do, will do. And I think they are crazy enough to take a running back in the first round. So um, I don't have much interest in dabbling here. Um, yeah. Another first round running back that I was thinking about a landing spot for is maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they've done a lot in free agency to bring back guys and have even add to their running back contingent. So I don't think they're a candidate for a first round running back. I will say this though. Um, I think there is heavier juice on the, if there will be a running back selected in the first round, as opposed to the first running back drafted, 
For me, I would rather bet Harris minus 140 as the first running back drafted, hoping that the Steelers take him, than betting minus 240 that one running back will be drafted in the first round. Because then if the Steelers pass on a running back, there's still a chance that another team will still take Najee Harris first, even if it is in the second round. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, listen, I understand that I think you and I both think it's probably not worth it to take a running back in the first round these days. But I think the Steelers probably view this team as still kind of like Super Bowl ready, right? Even though I right. think Ben Roethlisberger is, I think Ben Roethlisberger is, is way, 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 you know, past his prime and probably should have retired. And But that's neither here nor there. But you look at the defense and the way they played last year and you look at the offense, they re-signed Juju. They've, they've you know, they've got Chase Claypool. So, I mean, it, it, you you kind of look and I think if they do believe that they're, that they are still Super Bowl ready team, then, you know, with James Conner walking and that spot being open, I could see them taking a running back. I really could because they're thinking like, okay, we're we're maybe just a skill position player away on the offensive side of the ball from being, you know, right, right back where we were last year in the thick of everything. So um, I'm with you. I don't think I would do it, but I don't think it would be crazy for me if the Steelers did do it. And Mike Tomlin just signed an extension, too. So he's not really worried about job security. Um, yeah, I think we're agreed. Like drafting a running back in the first round is, is such a minus EV move. Uh, but there's still teams that think that way, unfortunately. So what is uh, you know, we're going to have a full draft preview coming to you guys next week with basically just just top to bottom draft stuff. But what's the favorite draft? What is your favorite draft? Uh, prop that you have in your account as we sit right now Patrick Sertan to be the first defensive player taken in this draft and the odds have changed since I've taken it I think it's um, you know minus money now but I I took it at plus 200 uh, just with the belief that the linebackers and the edge rushers weren't as good this year as they were in previous years and looking at some of the teams in the in the top 12 that really need cornerback help most notably the Dallas Cowboys uh, so I like Sertan there in the uh, to be the first defensive player taken. Uh, real, real quickly, I'll, I'll mention why I did a video on this the other day on our on our Twitter account, uh, and I've since backed off of it. Um, I, I have a ticket on Rashawn Slater to be the first offensive lineman taken over Sewell, just a small amount, kind of speculating when both of the NFL.com insiders. Uh, Pete Schrager and Daniel Jeremiah had mock drafts saying that Slater would go ahead of Sewell. Well, now Schrager has come out with his second and final mock draft and he has Sewell back ahead of Slater. So I would not I would not go for that anymore. But um, just a just an FYI and a forewarning on if you've seen some of the older reports about Slater over Sewell at that point, it seems that narrative has changed back this is a little bit more palatable for a bankroll um it's not quite the you know like we're saying laying minus huge money but look minus 250 for total wide receivers on the over four and a half i mean jamar chase Devonte smith Jalen waddle uh rashad bateman rashad bateman and elijah moore are all going in the first round like that is happening that's five right there if you look at a lot of the recent uh mocks that are starting to come out and i'm sure that, that you have steven terrace marshall has started to creep into a lot of those in the first round as I almost well think, i almost think he could go ahead of more because more is seen as a slot guy so yeah. i mean that's another candidate to get to your five so so uh, you know, uh, I think five is a near lock. I think six is, you know, I think six is something that we could be kind of looking at here in the first round. It's a passing league. We all know this. And, and if you don't have the, the playmakers on the passing side of the ball, 
then you are you're just going to be in trouble in today's NFL. So I think five is a lock and I think six is pretty, you know, I think six is pretty likely to happen as well. So, um, again, you do got to lay the 250 to win the hundred. But this is certainly something that uh, I I really, really, really like that in today's NFL. So, uh, again, over four and a half wide receivers is minus 250 right now. I think Over. what helps that too, by the way, is mm-hmm. that you know running backs aren't going as often as they used to. Uh, the the defensive linemen and the edge rushers aren't as good in this draft as they were in years past. So that's going to push up some of these wide receivers up teams' boards. I agree, and like we said, we'll have a full draft preview. All the bets that we have, all the bets we're leaning towards, all the bets we hate, every single thing, all the intel that we've been able to collect for you guys. Next week, uh, we're going to talk some. We're going to talk some Zurich Classic here in just a second. Just a quick word from our friends at BetMGM. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 5 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. So the Zurich Classic here, Stephen, very interesting format. For those of you who don't know, it is a teamed event. Uh, Teams of two guys get together. They're going to play two rounds of best ball. They're going to play two rounds of alternate shot. I think it's a pretty interesting and fun way to break up the season. I know that, uh, you know, you and I both golf nuts here and uh, people have their varying opinions on, on this tournament. But for me, Look, the same same thing every single weekend, week out. I, I don't mind seeing the guys get out there and, and get with a buddy. Well, most of them, some of these some of these teams, I wonder how they came together. But a lot of times, it's guys getting together with their buddies or college teammates or whatever, or countrymen or whatever it might be, and going out there and uh, you know having a. You see them laugh a lot more. You see them kind of playing around, and I don't know. I, I like the event. I do too. I think it's fun. Um, you know, it's a it's a nice spectator week for golf fans to just enjoy something a little, a little different. You know, kind of s- reminds me of when I go out in the summer to some of these scrambles that uh, you know local charities put on. It's just fun to play and have a nice time and have fun. I will say though that uh, this tournament over the years confounds me from a betting perspective. I don't have much interest mm-hmm. in in putting as much into this tournament as I do typical PGA Tour events. Uh, that's just me. Maybe you've had more success with it over the years, but I mean, I think that just the variance with this format just increases a ton compared to a normal week. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, it's definitely a difficult handicap. We'll try and talk through this a little bit here and give you some of the, some of the thinking at least behind 
what we did, what we did. This is a Pete Dye course. Now, a lot of Pete Dye courses are par 71s or par 70s. This is a full par 72, just over 7,400 yards. Bermuda greens, there's going to be cypress and oak trees all over the place at this course, TPC Louisiana. Um, about 100 bunkers out there. There's five different water uh, fixtures, be it ponds or, or even bigger. So uh, five different places on the course that can come into to play there as far as water goes. Now, the extra par five being added to this die course, Stephen doesn't really necessarily mean it's a game changer here because these par fives on this particular course just aren't gettable for eagles. Now they are for birdies, but for whatever reason, they just never surrender eagles collectively less than 1% of the time. Are they giving up eagles here? But they do give up birdies. Number two, about 37% of the time. Number seven, 45% of the time. So basically you've got to birdie number seven. Uh, number 11, 33% of the time. And number 18, 32% of the time. That being said, on 18, they're going to be coming home and that whole despite the fact that it gives up birdies 32% of the time, it does take bogey or worse from the field 15% of the time because there's water along the entire right side of the hole. So on this closing hole, even though it is birdieable and they can get at it, they can also get in some trouble over there, bogey or worse about 15% of the time as well there. Two of the par fours, very gettable too. There's a 372 yarder, um, which they may make drivable depending on how they set it up. We'll have to see on that. Number 13 also gives up birdies about 30% of the time as well. The par threes are the hardest holes on the course and it, all four of them are over 200 yards. This is basically just take your par if you can get it and move on. Don't try to get cute here at all. Three of the par fours, I mean three of the uh, three of the four par threes on this thing have at least a 20% bogey or worse rate. So one out of every five teams going to go through there is going to bogey or worse on one of these. So just something to think about as we uh, get, get going here. So, you know, you said this has been a difficult handicap for you in the past. I'll tell you my strategy and you can tell me what you've kind of done is so you can't really model this like you can in these other right. tournaments. You can't really. So basically, I just tried to find some stats that I found to be important. I went through, found the kind of the leaders or at least the guys in the top 25-ish, 30-ish in this field in those stats. And then I'd go to a different one. And maybe I was trying to find teams that maybe complemented each other, maybe found teams that, uh, you know, one guy could kind of pick the other guy up for something that he, he has shortcomings with. Because, you know, there's even strategy to be had in this tournament. We talk about those par threes being super tough. Well, three of those par threes are odd number holes, right? Like they're number three, nine, and 17. So if a guy's like really good with his irons and one of his other guys isn't necessarily so good with his irons, in particular in this one, long irons, because as I mentioned, they're all over 200 yards, you know, you could you could line it up on the alternate shot days where the, you know the guy that's good with his long irons is 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 teeing off on three of the four of these par threes and the it just so happens that some of the longer par fours or even holes four six and twelve are all super long par fours so you know maybe the other guy's uh, skill set fits in better for those type of holes so you know I, I do believe that these guys can get together if they want to I don't know how many of them have the urge to do it but if they wanted to get together and put their heads together they could plan out a way to kind of attack this course you know what sounds to me who stands out when you say that is Colin Morikawa right like he's just flushing his irons recently um had a, had a rough Sunday uh 
at Hilton Head, but um, recently has is, is, is come on. And, and putting has always been the issue, right? Yeah, that's been his bugaboo. So if he's paired with a guy who's a decent putter, he might have a shot. Um, you know, Matthew Wolf is his partner at the Zurich Classic this week. He's I 60- could not run from this team faster. Oh, really? God, I, really? I, oh, I hate Matt. Dude, Matt Wolf's form right now is, is bad. so, 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 so bad. I, my, I have a... I have a sneaking suspicion that there's like an underlying injury or something going on here that he just hasn't talked about or something. Cause like he was playing so well just a few months ago right. and has just been absolutely brutal recently. So I don't know, man, I'm going to have to see it from Wolf before I can, let me get your reaction. Let me get your reaction to one more team here further down the board who may fit that, you know, complimenting each other's game situation. Um, Chris Kirk and Brandon Todd, who is a fantastic putter. Yes, uh, I have them in the account, my friend. There we go. There yeah. we go. I mean, Chris Kirk has been playing fantastic golf lately. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And that is that 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 and initially led me to this team but as you mentioned so then you start like running the stats and you look at their approach you look at their off the tee you look at their scrambling you look at their putting you look at these different things and you kind of start to see that okay these guys right here now not the longest of odds here they're 22 to 1 but um certainly a team that I think could complement each other really really well so I like that you brought those guys up at 22 to 1 yeah I like I like that um you know Chris Kirk over the past 24 rounds in the stat model that I use, you know, he is seventh in strokes gained around the green 27th in strokes gained on approach um, third in strokes gained total sixth strokes gained T to green. So he's been playing really well. Um, I think, you know, a couple top twenties here recently. So I like that. Uh, who else, who else are you looking at in this tournament? Yeah. I mean, listen, and this has nothing to do with the guy being a Louisiana guy at all, but I I'm on, I'm on the Billy Horschel, Sam Burns team here. Um, Burns ninth in the field and birdies are better over the last 36 rounds, 14th in strokes gained approach. Here's the thing about Burns and why I like this format for him, right? Is if you've been watching Burns play and I, you know, maybe not, the general person out there maybe hasn't as close as you and I have because we watch so much golf. But, you know, if you've been watching Burns play, the guy just has three bad holes, a tournament and three bad holes, maybe even around. And what happens with that is why he ends up not being able to really get into the mix. If you look last, even just last week at Harbor Town, I mean, listen, he he made the cut. He you know he just he's not anybody that you were watching play on Sunday because he was middle of the pack and they weren't following him or anything like that. But if you go back and look at his round, he had seventeen birdies and an eagle in that tournament last week. The problem is he just had a shitload of, of bogeys and, and double bogeys as well. So it just it the problem with him is that. So listen, when you're playing best ball. When he has a blow up hole, you just got to pray that Billy does. Billy Horschel doesn't have a, a blow up hole on the same one that he does. And then he's so good with his irons and, and his approach that, you know, they could line this up to where he's kind of the, the approach guy on a lot of these holes and things. And I think him and Billy are a pretty interesting team together. So that's interesting. So Horschel and Burns at BetMGM, 22 to 1. Same exact odds as Todd and Kirk, 22 to 1. So gun to your head which one you picking this week yeah i mean i like uh i like horschel burns a little bit better than todd and kirk but i'll I'll fully admit i have both in the account i really like both of those teams i actually don't have a bunch of outrights this week i mean outside of that i have the uh 
I have the Keegan Bradley, Brendan Steele team here. Um, I was same, looking at them too. Yep. Yeah, same deal. Like Keegan Bradley, just awesome approach. Brendan Steele, um, one of the better putters in the entire field. Of course, Keegan Bradley can't make a putt to save his life. But again, we're talking about a different format here. We're talking about a, 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 one of them certainly being an alt shot as well. So yeah, I I, I like that team. And I like the... Um, I like the Matthew Neesmith and Chase Seifert team. It's way down. It's a longer shot. And, um, you know, listen, both are just really, really good iron players. This isn't necessarily a complimentary team to each other. It's just both kind of have the really good same skill set. I am going to need them to get a little hot with a putter. I am going to need them to do a couple of things a little bit better. But, you know, Neesmith, fourth in the field in strokes gained approach over the last 36 and 24 rounds. He's inside the top 30 and birdies are better as well. Seifert has actually been playing really well over the last 24 rounds as well. He's inside the top top 30 in approach and bogey avoidance and a couple of other things. And if you look at the real short-term data with him, he's inside the top 40 in this field. And again, there's 80 teams, so you can do the, you can do the math. I mean, there's 160 golfers here. Um, he's inside the top 40 in strokes gained approach, stroke gain, strokes gained off the tee, bogey avoidance, strokes gained putting just outside the top 40 at 44 and scrambling. So he's been playing really well as well. But I mean, that's about it for me on this is, is as far as the outrights go, because I'm not looking to uh, I'm not looking to get incredibly invested in this one, because as you mentioned, it is a pretty tough handicap. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I came in to this podcast with, you know, Brandon Todd and Chris Kirk, um, and I was looking at Keegan Bradley and Brandon Steele. So you convinced me to add that. I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on the Matt train with Billy Horschel and Sammy Burns <laughs> as well, hoping Sammy Burns gives me a little bit of redemption from when I had him. Uh, I believe it was at the Genesis earlier this year, and he blew that lead on the back nine. Uh, so I'm with you on those for sure. Yeah, I um I'm just not playing any of the short shots here. I mean, listen, you know, shuffling Cantlay is a super sexy team. Cantlay's been playing horrible lately. I mean, like he's one of the I like guy is just I don't know if he lost it or if he's tired or if he I don't know what's going on, but one of the most consistent guys on the tour forever and guy can't make a cut right now. Rom and Palmer, just the price is in there, seven to one. I'm just not gonna play that when you look at that. I do like this Bubba and Scotty Scheffler team a ton, but again, 14 to one. I'm just not getting the juice that I want on that one. Finau and Champ, they're gonna bomb it off the tee but what happens after that is something that will be interesting so at only 18 to 1 uh, that's why you didn't find me coming in at anything closer than uh, the 22 to ones on the guys that I did so um, you know it's going to be a fun tournament to watch regardless again only 35 of these teams do advance so less than 50 percent of the field moves on here so uh, just something to think about as you go in and again Thursday's round, Saturday's round are going to be best ball. Friday and Sunday are going to be alt shot. The alt shot, if you are if you are caught up on between two teams, think of which team you believe will be better at the alternate shot round. The top 10 teams from the 2019 tournament in this one gained 2.76 strokes on the field during the alt shot round. That is massive. The top last three winning teams in this uh, event, all three of them had the lowest alt shot rounds of the tournament. So it is just the most important part of all this. So if you need a tiebreaker, just uh, go with whoever you think will be better in the alt shot round. Uh, Steven, you are big into horse racing and uh, we got a few minutes here and I wanted to just kind of as you've been digging in just to give some preliminary thoughts here on the Derby. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first thing I'll mention is, you know, we have a ton of Derby coverage over at thelines.com right now. You can just search Derby. We have our betting guide. We have our workouts tracker and we assembled a cheat sheet as well for you to kind of just give you a one stop uh, shop location where you can just keep an eye on, um, you know, what's the best buyer speed figure for each of these horses? What have they done in their last race leading into the Derby in terms of buyer speed figure and finish? What are they doing in, in their recent workouts over at Churchill Downs leading up to this race? So keep an eye out for that over at the site. Um, I think essential quality is going to be a pretty short favorite here, maybe as low as two to one when the morning line comes out uh, early Derby week. But one horse I kind I have my eye on. I'm hoping to get a little bit of value, um, although you know it's, it's looking like he's becoming a little bit more of a of a of a favorite there down in Louisville this week. Hot Rod Charlie, trained by Doug O'Neill, has the second best buyer speed figure of all the horses in this field at 99. He did that in his last race, the Louisiana Derby, winning by two lengths. Uh, the other horse I'm looking at is Rock Your World. He's the only horse in this field who has a triple digit buyer speed figure. And if he can improve off of that after winning the Santa Anita Derby, he's going to be tough to beat in this field. The only question is if he's going to have the stamina to get a mile and a quarter. He ran absolutely quick fractions on the front end of that Santa Anita Derby and then you know, kind of held on at the end to win. Uh, his his final furlong splits were not as good as some of the other horses in this field. But if these are still three-year-old horses, a lot of them don't have a lot of experience. So if they can improve in the Derby, which has been the the formula in past years, uh, then then Rock Your World is going to be tough to beat. So um, I'm looking at those two horses right now. And, and later on Derby week, uh, we're going to break this down a little bit further. Uh, we're debating having a podcast as well just on the Derby. So keep an eye out for that. But at the very least, you can go to thelines.com and just search Derby for our, our Kentucky Derby coverage. Can't wait, man. Listen, I'll admit I'm not the, the biggest horse racing guy, but the Derby every single year gets to me. I uh, I fire hard at it and uh, can't wait to hear your breakdown of everything. And guys, like we mentioned, we'll be back next week with a full on breakdown of everything for the NFL draft, because listen, it is one of the best betting opportunities that we have. You can collect information, you can make money off of these things. And so we'll let you know everything that we're on, everything that we hate, every, every single rumor that we have heard leading into the draft. For Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week.